Welcome to Feminist Erotica, a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women. Join Jera, Karen, and Princess for stimulating interviews that explore feminist representations and desire, as well as short and sweet erotic snippets read by the authors themselves. This episode is sponsored by Just the Tip, Rebellious Magazine's inclusive sex and relationship advice column where you'll find interviews with sexuality researchers and educators, as well as compassionate responses to anonymous questions. Check it out at rebelliousmagazine.com slash just dash the dash tip. Well, we've got everybody here, so let's uh, introduce everyone. Am, can we start with you? Absolutely. My name's Alicia. I write into the pen name Am Proctor, and I just released uh, the book I'm I'm reading from you guys tonight. I write paranormal romance mostly. I'm kind of going into a, a new genre, science fiction romance. This is the last one I wrote, so I'm I'm editing that, and it's probably going to be out in a couple months. And most of my stuff is pretty kinky. It's pretty out there. And uh, most of it has a tropical flair. So alien invasions happen in Key West. That checks out. (laughs) Raven? So I'm Raven Velasco. I am the author of Blood Ex Libris and Blood Sine Qua Non, and uh, working on a third one in that series right now. All of those can be gotten on Amazon or for Nook as well. And uh, those fall in the urban fantasy, dark fantasy kind of area, although they have enough kinky goodness that uh, paranormal romance people will not be bored reading them. Uh, Yeah, that's what's been keeping me busy. The first book dropped right as the pandemic hit us. So that's kind of been uh, my pandemic is just throwing myself into these stories and ignoring reality that way. (laughs) Okay, well, my name is David Britton. I'm a stand-up comedian and a writer. Uh, The thing I'm most excited about is my first full-length album just came out. It's called The History of the Universe. Uh, if you're interested in that, I'm on Instagram and on Twitter at Lasersaurus with a Z. I also write uh, some for the Daily Dot and for the Hard Times. It's like a punk rock satirical uh, magazine. Oh, I also have a podcast. It's called Do You Know What Time It Is? Where all my friends call me in the middle of the night and wake me up for some stupid reason and I have to deal with them. And then I also... Uh, write for a website that I own called storiesaboutwizards.com. I wrote a special story for this that I posted on that website, um, and I'm going to read that tonight. Awesome. Amazing. And uh, a quick congratulations to those of you who were published this year and launched things this year and had things released this year. Like, I, yeah, I can only, I, I cannot imagine, I'm not even going to pretend like I can imagine what it's like, like the thrill of having this thing out in the world and planning to tour and do all, all the things and then, oh yeah, no, 
not so much. Yeah, it's a weird time to have something come out because normally I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, I put out this album. Now it's time to go on tour and do all these shows and have an album release party. Yeah. None of that. No parties, no. No. <laughs> we deserve them. Yeah. Yes. Next year, all of these things, we just have to put them off till next year. Right. Right. I've done a, a lot of podcasts. The great thing about writing about vampires is I literally can't talk enough about vampires. So <laughs> I have I have been enjoying just like, oh, there's people who are just going to sit around and listen to me talk about vampires. Okay. I was really looking forward to an excuse to getting out to more cons. So that's, that's been the, the hard part. So for me, um, this is actually my very first podcast ever. So... I'm usually at home pushing things out online. I've never been to a con before. I'm pretty new. So that's about it. <laughs> well, we're happy to pop your cherry. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I like popping cherries. What can I say? <laughs> I was, I couldn't decide if you were going to say that or if we were going to do a Rocky Horror, like where we just yell virgin at you. Oh. I'm glad we didn't go that route. Uh, so I came up with this idea, I guess, for this evening, in part just because I wanted to do a happy hour and it's Halloween. And I personally love paranormal, sexy romance. So it's like, yes, let's do, let's put all these things together and then add David Britton. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> one, so when I was thinking about this, like one of the things that I'd been thinking about was my long history of scary crushes. So I'm gonna start first. I'm gonna out my like weird, embarrassing paranormal crush. And it's not like the crush is normal. It's where I took it that's weird. And I want you all to be thinking about your own like histories of crushes, you know, and amazing stories about combining the scary, the creepy, the strange and the erotic. But like many people my age, I totally had a crush on Anne Rice's Louis the Vampire, hand down. But little like 12-year-old Jera that was reading these books was also very, very conservative Christian at the time and could not date anybody that was not a Christian. So how could little Jera date or have whatever romance with a vampire who like we don't know if he's accepted Jesus. So I would have these elaborate fantasies where I would convert him to Christianity and then convert me to vampirism and we would meet in the middle. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, that's I a it. genre, like I, okay, yes. Can we option that book? Yes, there are people who would read that. Let's get this going. That's yeah, I think that would thinking. be huge. So kinky, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Relationships are about compromise. So, you know, yeah. figure out ways to make it work, I guess. Yeah, why not? I mean, he was searching for his soul anyway. So I just helped him along. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and we all talked about Elvira. So I, I, I didn't personally have a crush on Elvira. I think I more just wanted to be her, but mm. I think I, I discovered her at like five years old or something when she was on TV and she was the antithesis of all this conservative Christian programming that I had. And so for me, seeing her strong, confident, obviously okay with herself was 
was I think very influential in being like maybe there's this like world out there that's beyond my understanding that is okay mm. you know right so I'm very grateful to Elvira for this yeah so you didn't have a crush on like any of the veggie tales or anything like that <laughs> I did read Christian romance novels Francine Rivers oh what were those like that's I I need to know what those were like you know I okay I don't remember any sex in them for sure like I don't think that was a thing they weren't sexy romance novels they were definitely like conflicted souls and uh-huh. I think I feel like the romance also happened with this like writing of the soul in some way yeah like if you become a better person when you move into like the highlands and befriend a duke and that's the ways of like the common man Uh, down from your i don't know (laughs) so the highlands reference is a little triggering for me i have to say because there is a romance novelist named Karen Hawkins. I'm no, not sorry, her. Karen. And she writes a lot of Scottish themed, like the Duke Who Loved Me, or occasionally I, I own, I'm not going to say my email address, but I own a very simple Gmail account and I occasionally get fan mail for her. <laughs> um, but KarenHawkins.com, my friends sometimes like to sign me up for things um, and put KarenHawkins.com <laughs> as my... <laughs> I'm not one of those friends. I wouldn't necessarily do that. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I was thinking a lot today about, because we talked a little bit about who, I don't know that I had sexy paranormal like romance things. I think the line for me was like, would I let this person kill me? Um, <laughs> like, because I'm not going to be like attracted to a ghost because you're a ghost. And I don't really see like, like sure ghost or whatever with Patrick Swayze, but Patrick Swayze is <laughs> not coming to my door. You know what I'm saying? So that's not the type of ghost that I really think I would encounter. Mm. But if it was like mixing of being horny and being scared, I think there's probably, there's at least two. And number one, of course, is Aaliyah as Akasha in Queen of the Damned. Oh, um, yeah. Sure. yeah. Ab- absolutely. Ah. Hand through the chest, take out the heart. Like, I don't care. Whatever you got to do, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with that. Because um, <laughs> Aaliyah was already hot, and then she just became this ruthless person, which was so different from like baby girl and the whole person of who she was. She just turned into this goddamn murderous queen and i was like yes i stand absolutely do you need like a footrest on that throne right here (laughs) and then i just thought of this one but also probably qualifies also a part that makes me attracted to her is the her willingness to only kill men really and that's (laughs) megan fox and jennifer's body (laughs) this is gonna sound bad i'm a smoker so the the lighter and the tongue and it goes for real i wish i could do that that's fucking dope um can you teach me that is there a way that yeah uh so akasha and jennifer absolutely 
So you're reminding me actually, princess, something about that. Oh, I know what it was. It was the cigarette lighter. Oh my God. What's the name of this, these graphic novels you have me addicted on to? Like, okay. Uh, so first of all, if you can have crushes on graphic novel characters, um, death from the Sandman series. Yes. And then, um, yes. oh my God, what the wicked and the divine, all of the characters, I have crushes on all of the characters <laughs> in wicked and the divine, the graphic novel series. If you have not read it, I highly recommend it. Princess. Highly, highly. Oh my God, yeah, it's, no. it's an addiction. Like I've bought them all. I cannot afford this, but yeah, I'm gonna go with this. Just quickly, Wicked and the Vine is a graphic novel series about um, every 90 years, like a group of 12 gods uh, are reborn into uh, kids and they fuck shit up for like some months, but they only <laughs> live for two years. Uh, after two years, they all die. Um, but it is wild. They're Greek, right? Persephone. And I feel like they're all Greek references. Or they're all, they're from all different cultures. Like that's the beauty. Like they show up, so they get reincarnated. They're, they're just wild kids. Like, and by kids, we mean teenagers. And they get yeah. reincarnated and they kind of land. They have this beautiful scene where they fall and they land. And it's like, oh, you're the Japanese god of whatever. Like they're, some of them are Greek, but they're from like all over the world. They're so good. Yeah. They are also all beautiful people of all genders and sexualities. There's a little bit of something for everyone <laughs> if you, if okay. you get to pick. You've entirely sold me. I like as soon as we get done with this, I know what I am doing. Welcome. <laughs> what about y'all? What are your uh, your paranormal crushes? <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> I, I I can take it. Interestingly, I'm not gonna bring up any vampires. I guess I kind of, I kind of had to write my vampire crushes. Jira mentioned your your first, and so the literally the first time I ever felt horny was watching David Bowie in Labyrinth, and and I had this moment where I went, "That's what horniness is." <laughs> oh, like I I hadn't gotten it, and then light clicked on bells rang like you know the you know confetti came down like it was my moment so it never got normaler than that you know like it's it's <laughs> that that was kind of the baseline like normalist it's been uh, ever since then um uh, as you were saying paranormal i really like serious guilty pleasure is laurel k laurel k hamilton's uh Meredith Gentry books which are just an excuse to read about kinky sex like there's and I love it and I'm completely there for it and I've I think I've read them all through three times so you know I I that is I don't even like want to admit that but I've just done it for all of you so uh <laughs> but I mean I don't see vampire stuff as horror because vampires are so sexy to me like so that you know, shelving them in different sex. Like, I was like, why, why is this in horror? What's scary? Like, doesn't everyone want a vampire to run up and bite them? And then it turned out, oh, there are, there are people who don't want to be bitten by a vampire. Those are not my people. But for me, you know, it just, it is my romance. So there you go. I, I'm sure most people listening to this know, but you said you've read all those Laura K. Hamilton books from that genre. And probably people listening to this know there's a lot of those books. There's like a lot of those books. 
Now you're really them. embarrassing me. No, I enjoy them. I also enjoy those books. Like I had a friend who had all of them. So I would sit there and read them. Yeah, they're good for sure. <laughs> I think for me, my crush is young was definitely like Morticia Adams. I don't know if she's exactly paranormal. She was like on that line, but also like, you know, anything I could watch as a kid, like the mom from the Munsters, who was just kind of a ripoff of Morticia Adams. Uh, definitely also, I don't remember who said this, but I think Princess said uh, Death from the Sandman series. Yeah. Oh, that was Karen. Um, oh, that was Karen. Okay. Yeah, like I think anyone my age, male or female, straight or gay, who read those books was like, oh, death was like super, super hot and like just seemed very chill and also like kind of nice in a way. She was like, you know, Neil Gaiman writes a great character. So yeah, those were, there's probably a, a ton that I'm not thinking of, but those were definitely some of the main ones. So yeah, that's it for me. Well, I'm going to show my age a little bit here. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit older than the rest of you guys. Um, my first time I had a crush on someone um, that was different was Jason from Friday the 13th. I yes. know. <laughs> wow. Well, <Crazy>. now. Say <laughs> hmm. more yeah. about that. <laughs> yes. Let's dive deep into that. Malfunction. Yeah. But yeah, I, I um remember watching it my friend's house and and just uh, the original Friday the Thirteenth movie, and I just thought, ah, oh, you know, I don't know that tortured killer. <laughs> I don't know. Is what it, it the coveralls? Yeah. Is 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 the coveralls? It's the coveralls, right? <laughs> it's the big, huge. Shetty, that's what <laughs> did it for me. No, in the relentless pursual. I mean, he really pursued his victims. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think it's important we all remember in the first movie, it was the mom that was the killer, as now that's we all famously true. know from from Scream. Like, ma the mom was the killer in the first one. So that is true. You didn't even know. No, I don't know. I I, I guess. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I, I'm yeah. strangely okay with that. But I have to do, I have to say later on, and I watched Lost Boys in the movie theater, oh, and yeah. I was too young to see Lost Boys legitimately. So my friend and I had to sneak in through another movie. And, you know, you could do that back then because there weren't yeah, so movie hops and stuff. Yeah. yeah go in and, and uh, but that was my first like experience with wanting a reverse harem I wanted every voice I wanted them all so when I discovered that people write actual reverse harems I was just like I'm in heaven because I want my whole lost boys I want them all yeah yeah I I'm gonna say if you snuck into the lost boys you and I are the same age yeah, I think I was too young to see it in the theaters, maybe. I was right yeah, around yeah. that age. No, I, I definitely 17. snuck into that movie, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was 17. I was able, but 18, and there was no NC-17 where you could get in. You had to be 18 or over, and they checked your ID, and it was very, yeah, it was quite the 
mission impossible. <laughs> I just want to jump into Cosign, um, David Bowie and Labyrinth. Um, I remember my, I mean, it's supposed to be a kid's movie. And I remember my sister watching it and being like, those pants are not PG. Like who decided that David Bowie should be prancing around in these pants? I'll tell you who decided that was uh, David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. That's a guess, but I bet an accurate one. His level of seductiveness in that movie, like you should just should not be in a kid's movie, period. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Muppets come and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like possibly there are also some kinks coming up here for some of us, <laughs> early, early kinks emerging. But I was reminded of uh, last year, Karen let me cover Exotica, uh, the conference for Rebellious Magazine. And, you know, I'm like aware enough about most things, like most things did not surprise me, the sex toys, any of the porn stars or whatever. What did surprise me was that there was a booth of people there just to sell the attachment fangs. Nobody smiled at that booth. <laughs> it was really funny uh, I was like do you use do you use this for kink play and they were very like everybody was a little hesitant to be like yeah yeah this is for kink so I never was completely sure that that's why they were there or if they just found if it was like a, a an actual fetish but I don't know Raven have you come across this at cons and stuff like like a very specific like fang culture, the people don't want the fangs. And is do you feel oh. like it tends to be mostly sexual or is it something else? Uh, well, I used to work at a, a nightclub, a goth fetish nightclub. So, I mean, they actually had the fang people in there selling in the nightclub. Uh, so yeah, uh, those, I don't think there's a lot of people who buy fangs that don't immediately use them. You know, like, you know, okay, there's a neck, you know, like, uh, you, you can actually make them with um, Sculpey you know, yourself, uh, you know, just shape them to your teeth, put them on and then cook them in the oven. Um, follow me for more recipes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I, I, I really can't imagine anyone putting in the money for a good set of fangs and then not wanting to be nibbling on people like that seems crazy right. to me. <laughs> okay, I feel like either, like I feel like I'm in an, uh, a scene in Blade. Like, I'm sorry, are you telling me that there are people like priming folks to get bit by vampires? Are they feeding people? Like what is the hierarchy here? Um, not to say that I wouldn't get fangs because I think I'm into that, but. <laughs> There's a hierarchy. Like you might know absolutely. some vampires is what you're trying to slide into this conversation. <laughs> I'd say that the hierarchy goes like this. There are people who just read about vampires and think about them, um, which may cross over to goths, going out to goth night clubs. Um, and then there are people who, honest to God, believe that vampires are real. Some of them only go so far as to believe in psychic vampires. So, I mean, and we've all met people who are toxic like that, but some people want that. Other people, if, if you go on the, the, the FetLife website, you can be in a group in five seconds where people are looking for blood donors. And yeah, 
and and there's classes uh, at, at dungeons for how to do safe blood play. And so, you know, I think you're right. There is a hierarchy and you can jump in anywhere you like. Oh no, I can't swim. <laughs> no, no, there's a little, there's a little shallow end with a little floaty too. So you're all good. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick my feet. I'm gonna yeah. kick my feet. Little kick paddle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we want to get into some stories? Alicia, we thought we'd have you go first if you're, if you're cool with that. Oh, great. Pop my cherry and make me go first. <laughs> um, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Cool. And set it, set it up for us, like what we're going to be hearing too. Okay. This is from my newest release, released on Kindle Unlimited and Amazon October 29th yesterday. And Tyler is um, Irish and he's in Ireland and he's dealing with sick parents in Ireland. Lark is the her heroine. <laughs> and um, she's at home in South Carolina and we're pretty far into the book at this scene. And I started thinking, you know, this, this scene might make her feel like look weak or, you know, needy to some people who might be listening to this or watching. And I don't want you to think that Lark is anything but strong. She's feeling a little lost without Tyler. He is very dominant and controlling, but they have worked out that she is also a very dominant person. She has a submissive sex demon. It came with the house that she inherited and the house is haunted. And she has to feed this submissive sex demon and she's feeling like she's not feeling sexy without Tyler. You know, both of them are, are the ones that normally master Grimscott. And Grimscott is a huge masochist. He loves it. He loves when Tyler threatens him bodily harm for doing things so there's going to be a few threats and this this book they're um very primal they do a lot of primal play some hunting and a lot of fighting fighting back a lot of fun it is kind of a non-consensual play consensual non-consensual so but they're having phone sex so that Grim can have a feast because he's pretty hungry and so she's just confessed to Tyler that she hasn't fed her demon the last couple of weeks. And we'll go ahead and go right in. Call your demon now. Grimscott appeared before me. He's always listening and lurking close by. He really looks like shit. He's thin as it is. But right now, he looks like when I first met him, a walking skeleton. He's here. Silence and rustling of paperwork. Hold on. A door shuts in the background. Now put the phone down and take your clothes off. Tyler, no. He ground out. Take your clothes off, Lark. Take them the fuck off you now. I put the receiver down and slowly undress. Grim smirks and I warn him. You're going to pay for this. I pick up the receiver and say smartly, okay, I'm naked in my kitchen, leaning against the wall while my demon is feasting his eyes on what belongs to you. Happy? I hear a whispered, fuck. Then he clears his throat and says, 
I'm going to fucking destroy him when I see him next. Tell him. I smile at Grimm as I adjust the receiver against my ear. Oh, he heard you. He blew out a shaky breath. Good. Are you touching yourself, Irish? His response was another breathy, fuck. Tell me, are you in your office with your dick out? Yes, Lark. I've got my feet on my desk and my dick in hand. Anyone can walk in at any time. Open your dress shirt, Tyler. I want you to run your hand down your bare chest. I heard the rustling of clothing and then a shuddering breath before he said, look into your demon's eyes, Lark, and touch your tits. I bit my bottom lip and did as he instructed. Tell me what you see, demon. Grim inhales before, before saying loudly, she's beautiful, master, a work of art. You're goddamn right she is. Spread your legs, Lark. Let him gaze upon your sex. Grim fell to his knees as I opened for him. She's very slick, master. The voice on the phone growled, for me, shite hawk. Say she's slick for me. Grim's starving gaze met mine. She's slick for you, master. The voice on the other phone was shaky and deep. Tell me, shite hawk, what does she smell like? Grim leaned forward and inhaled. She smells like desire for you, master. She wants you badly. A heat bloomed on my skin. The blush felt bone deep. It twisted my insides and bloomed in my core. Taste her, tell me. Grim's forked tongue came out and flicked gently through my flesh. I bit my lip harder to keep from groaning in Tyler's ear. She tastes like heaven, master honey for your lips. Grim understood immediately that he was merely Tyler's pawn. His body was a stand-in for our master. Good. Now take your hands and gently rub up and down those long legs of hers. Don't touch her pussy. Stroke her. Tease her for me. Yes, master. Did she shave her legs? Yes, master. Her skin is as smooth as a newborn. Fuck. I'm going to take a potato peeler to your balls for touching what's mine. Grim shuddered. Please, master. I blew out the breath I've been holding in a rush. Tyler. Aye, we birdie. Close your eyes now and think of me. I repeated. Tyler. Take your hand and touch her tit, you worthless shite. Circle her nipple. Is it peaked? Like a knot, master. Put it in your nasty gob and suckle it till I hear her moan my name. Grim moved his mouth over to my breast and sucked the peak inside his dark lips. I gasped at the sensation that settled between my legs. Grim inhaled deeply, taking only sips of my desire despite his starvation. The voice over the phone was shaking again. Cover those sharp teeth with your lips and give it a number. I moaned and Tyler growled, tug it. Tyler, ah, this is how I make my dirty bird sing. Fuck, this is hot, Tyler. 
Aye, it is. That demon's gonna nibble on your clit now for me. Grim ambled away. Grim ambled down my stomach and between my legs. That amazing tongue slid through my flesh, achingly slow as it spit on as it split on either that other either side of my clit. I swear I wrote this, guys. <laughs> Tyler's voice was deeper now. Tell me, Lark. Tell me what he's doing. He's savoring me. Motherfucker will pay dearly for it, too. His tongue is sliding around my clit, teasing me. I'm going to cut his tongue out. Grim moaned against me, and I let out a high-pitched gasp. He can hear your threats, and he just moaned against my clit. Felt good, did it? Yes. I'll strangle the moans out of him when I see him next. And that's kind of where I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Bravo. That's quite the vocabulary. Yeah. I, I felt like I was... <laughs> Yeah. I also... I love the multiple layers. You've got like all of these different things happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that is from your book that just dropped, right? Yep. Enchanted Rebel. Enchanted Rebel. You heard it here first. <laughs> Add to cart. Raven, can you? Yeah. We're going to save David's because there's going to be something to talk about in it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that thing is, so we'll see. But, Surprise! <laughs> tell us, uh, set it up for us, Raymond. Okay, so this is from the first book, and we are just getting to know our protagonist and a vampire who has just sort of outed himself both as a vampire and as actually not just any vampire, but Vlad Dracul himself. So he had been hitting on her and, he, and she thought, oh, he's just like the sexy Romanian guy. And she thought they were gonna get it on. And then he disappears and she's super depressed. She's a librarian in sort of middle of nowhere America. And she's not been having a great sex life recently or any sex life. And she, she was really digging this guy. He shows up, like just she falls head over heels and then he disappears. And then out of the blue, he returns after she's given up on him and does, just jumps right into it. It's like, I'm a vampire, you should come home with me. And she's like, uh, well, why should I come home with you? And the reason was, oh, I have a lot of books, vintage books, antique books, uh, from from over the ages and you're gonna like this shit and she was like oh well in that case so she's come home she has seen he does have a collection of books that you would not expect a normal mortal to have um, and in the day he has finally dragged her out of the library and uh, we will take up from there the fire cheered me the house was cold and the heat made me realize how chilled I was Drawn to the fireplace, I sat on a huge gold velvet well-padded ottoman that was warm your feet distance from it and held my cold hands out to the flames. 
Alexandru installed himself in the chair to which the Ottoman belonged. I stared into the fire. Noosh, he said in a gentle voice, you have asked few questions. Your patience is admirable, but since I am more than willing to answer you, why not ask what you like? To be honest, I'm afraid to learn too much. Is there a point when I know too many vampire secrets and you have to kill me? Also, I don't understand why you're telling me this in the first place, Alexandru Solon, who is Vlad Sepesh. Why me? Alexandru leaned forward and put his hand on my shoulder, which made me reluctantly stop staring into the fire and turn to look at him. His skin was a warmer olive in the light from the fire. Once I met his glowing gold-green eyes, I could not look away. Ebine, you believe me. I sensed your doubt, but thought the books might sell you, as they say. At my lack of response, he added, at least you are willing to go along with my unusual notion. Why me, I ask again, not wanting to talk or think about whether I believed him or not. I was all too afraid I did. Dragomia, why not you? You are a keeper of knowledge and a student of history, yet open-minded about new things. That alone would make you a good person to tell if I was going to tell anyone. But why do you not hear that I wish to share not just information with you, but much more than talking? How can I show you this? I do not wish to go too fast, as the expression goes, but I'm not used to do seducing women without using, how would you call them, my powers of persuasion. I find myself not knowing how to proceed. Please tell me how, end this uncertainty for me. I stared at him in disbelief. You haven't been using your, your powers of persuasion? If you haven't, I can't imagine why I'm here. I've never just gone to a guy's house for a booty call like this before. And I'm sorry, but I can't see the Prince of Darkness having troubles in matters of seduction. You've had five centuries of practice. I belatedly realized I didn't sound overly understanding or empathic. I tried again. Not that I think you're lying. At least I wasn't going to admit it if I did. But again, why would you have the least bit of problem seducing me? I haven't been seduced in years. Hell, I don't think I've ever been properly seduced. I was still looking into those glittering eyes, but small crinkles of laugh lines appeared around them and a smile played around his mouth. Ha, so far only my books have seduced you. But since you asked for it, I am not averse to seducing you properly. I just had time to think, I've asked for it? What have I gotten myself into? before he leaned forward, swept me into his arms and settled back with me sitting sideways across his lap. One arm was still around my back and my legs hung over the other arm of the chair. He reached up with the arm not holding me and ran a finger softly over my cheek. You look like a proverbial deer caught in headlights. Then he chuckled, although I didn't find the statement particularly funny. Ah, da, Dragomia, now I see the flash of lightning in your stormy eyes, sexy. He traced his fingers over my lips with such the lightest, most delicate touch. I found myself pressing them to his fingers, asking for more. He tipped me at more of an angle towards him and brought his face as close as we could get and still look into each other's eyes. The glittering fire in his eyes became my world. I had never felt this hot in my life, as if my whole body was on fire, not burning as part of the flames. Te rog saruta ma, he murmured, Come to me, Dragomia, kiss me. 
moving as someone dispelled, I brought my lips to his. My eyes closed in the golden firelight to be replaced by the supple warmth of his lips against mine. At first, just pressing lightly, building up from small teasing brushes and pressures to movements simultaneously insistent and yielding. Our mouths opened at the same time and the hot wet urgency of tongues brought intensity, depth. He tasted of iron and salt. Not surprising, but surprisingly not off-putting. Certainly better than some guys I've kissed. It was a tingly sort of taste, the kind where you think, hmm, I know that flavor, let me taste this again. Although once you'd been kissing for a while, you didn't taste it anymore. I don't remember the moment when my tongue brushed the sharp canines because my brain had melted into an organ capable only of considering the current and immediate next aspect of the kiss. As if I'd been kissing vampires for my whole life, I adjusted how I moved my lips and tongue to accommodate the extra toothiness and continued in blissful unconcern for anything except the best kiss of my life. If I had been capable of it, I might well have thought, he is a vampire. To be honest, I had bought his line from, okay, okay, from the first time he said, I am what you would call a vampire. Hasn't everyone been waiting their whole lives to hear someone say that? Alexander's hands were not idle, although he seemed to be putting his whole self into the kiss. Perhaps his hands were on autopilot as they traced curving caresses up my back and arms, down one leg to my knee and back up the other thigh, up my stomach to my breast. Feeling the sensation of his fingers through the fabric of my shirt and bra made me moan. That encouraged him to pull back from the kiss, lift me, and arrange me so I was straddling his lap facing him. He could lift me as if I were a doll, which added to how turned on I was. He pulled my head back down to continue the kiss, and this time my hands started moving of their own will, running over his arms and shoulders and chest. Under the black silk, he felt like warm stone carved into utterly masculine shapes. I desperately wanted to see what was under the, sh the shirt. Black silk was classically sexy and all, but I had a feeling just plain Alexandru was even better. Yes, take off my shirt, he whispered against my mouth, which might have startled me if I'd been capable of rational thought. At that moment, however, his knowing what I wanted made perfect sense. It took me a while to get the buttons undone because my focus was being engaged on so many other levels. His hands now had access to my back and my ass, which he was massaging in a way both relaxing and arousing. The shirt I was wearing had cleavage well beyond risque. So when he started kissing up along my chin to my ear and down my neck, he encountered no fabric-based obstacle. He faced no obstacles at all, except for my whole body tensing abruptly, which he caught at once and murmured into my ear, no, no, you have nothing to be afraid of. I will not damage you. I will bring you joy. Relax. His hands kept massaging me, emphasizing the message, trust me. In for a penny, in for a pound. I let my head tilt back, let my chin turn away. True to his word, he kissed and licked and gently nibbled my neck, but did not immediately chomp his teeth into it. Those sharp canines simply teased and tantalized and teased some more until I was actually longing for him to be a little rougher, bite a little harder. And since you said seven minutes, that's where we stop. <laughs> well played. That was beautiful. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. <laughs>
I feel like it's appropriate to mention that um, of our episodes, how many, I can't remember how many episodes we have in season one. When we look at the traffic, the readings are by far like through the roof. And I feel like listening to you both, I was like, right. right. No one wants to hear us dorks interviewing <laughs> authors. They want to hear y'all reading these beautiful words. So thank you so much. But the authors love getting a chance to chat about their stuff. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We have one more. David, want to introduce us? Uh, yeah. Uh, so a few years ago, you know, I mainly, what I mainly write is stand up. And I was trying to write jokes, you know, and most of my comedy is very like surreal and like weird. And, you know, so I just sat, sat down with a notebook, which I don't even normally, I don't always even use a notebook, you know, sometimes it's just off the, off the cuff or whatever, but I was trying to sit and write things. And what came out instead were like two short stories about wizards. Uh, and I did try doing them at an open mic. Everyone was very confused, did not work. And then they sat in my notebook for a while. And then one night, it's true, I got a little drunk and I checked to see if the URL wizardstories.com was available. It was not. But then I checked storiesaboutwizards.com. That was available for $18. I bought it. The next day, I was like, oh, I bought this URL. So I posted those two stories. And then for an entire year, every Wednesday, I would post another short wizard story on there. So there were 52 stories after a year. Then I took a long break and then started back up again like eight, nine months ago. So now there's another, I don't know, however many stories, getting close to a hundred short stories um, on this website. Um, and then uh, Jara asked me to do this. So I was like, okay, I'll try to write something specifically erotic based for this podcast. So that got posted yesterday. What is today, Friday? So two days ago, this got posted. So you, oh, and every story has like a little artwork at the bottom from uh, a different artist. Lots of times it's my daughter. I decided she should not draw this one. She's 23, but I still thought, you know what? Maybe not for this one. Uh, so this was done by an artist who's sitting across from me, whose name I don't know if I should mention. So, oh, uh, Sarah Lascauzo, who is a great artist. You can find her on Instagram. Uh, so she drew a picture to go along with this story. So. You can check it out at storiesaboutwizards.com if you want. And this is a short story. I don't really need to like set it up anyhow, I guess. So I can just go into it. Try not to masturbate too hard, everybody. Aww. Wow. <laughs> I like this. Okay. Uh, this is called, oh, I feel like somebody had a comment. Okay. Oh, oh, oh people are just showing their hands to show, like, yeah. Yeah, after that whole thing with what was it, the New York Times? No, none of us want to get New York. Jeffrey Tubin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just read about that. Well, okay, we're all behaving ourselves, and this is a specifically erotic podcast, so good job, us. Uh anyway, this is called uh The Wizard with a Frog in His Butt. <laughs> You probably think that wizard orgies are just a bunch of wizards putting their wands in each other and making cum appear everywhere. And you are right. That is basically 90% of what happens. 
Also, there is usually a buffet afterwards. You know, because the nonstop fucking makes everyone so hungry. This is the origin of the well-known wizard saying, fairy dust in your pouch, come in your beard, and free shrimp in your belly. That is the recipe for a happy life. But not all wizards feel that way. There was this one guy named Tromantis who really only wanted one thing, and that was to have a frog in his butt. Whenever he went to the wizard orgies, he was always happy to pee on someone's boobs or kick their balls or whatever they wanted. But when he asked if they would mind making a frog appear in his anus, they all passed. It's not that hard to spell, explained this wizard named Glendora during an especially moist party. It's just that it's not really my thing, you know? No offense intended. But if you want, I'd love for you to slowly work that unicorn horn into my vagina. No problem, sighed Romantis as he lubed up the horn. He knew the number one rule of an orgy was to be chill about shit. After a nice post-scene cuddle session with Glendora, Tromantis decided to take a walk through the Swamp of Despair. It was his favorite place to go when he had a lot on his mind. The swamp was extra despairy that night. The soft glow of malevolent spirits and the wail of tormented souls always put him in a meditative mood. As he walked through the soft green mud and the crunchy skeletal remains, he couldn't help but feel a little sorry for himself. I suppose I'm just destined to be alone, he said as he stared up at the moon. You and me both, pal, said a smooth baritone voice from near his feet. Tromantis looked down to see a cute green frog sitting on a partially caved-in skull. Oh, hey there, said Tromantis, who as a wizard was used to talking amphibians and reptiles. What makes you so lonely? Well, explained the frog, I used to be a handsome prince. All the other princes would come from all over the kingdom just to touch my balls and have me play with their penises. It was a pretty awesome life, if I'm being honest with you. The only problem was my dad was a total homophobic jerkwad. When he found out about our all-night bangathons, and one time an all-night bangathon, he hired an evil wizard to turn me into a frog. It totally sucks. Yeah, I can see how that would be hard, having to be so green and smooth all the time, said Tromantis, trying not to blush. Oh, I don't really mind that part so much, answered the frog. Actually, hopping around and being able to hold your breath for hours underwater is pretty dope. Plus, look how long my tongue is now. So saying, the frog shot its tongue out of its mouth and caught a nearby pixie, which it swallowed whole. That's um, very impressive, said Tromantis, trying hard to conceal his semi-boner beneath his wizardly robes. If you want to know the truth, continued the frog, the part I really miss is being inside another man's warm butthole. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's pretty much the best thing ever. Tromantis swallowed the lump in his throat and tried to think of something to say, his boner no longer a semi. Finally, he worked up the courage and blurted out, 
Well, you could always be in my butt. I mean, if you wanted to, that is. Oh, well, said the frog, no offense, but you're really not my type. Oh, said Tremantis, that's cool. I understand. Just kidding, yelled the frog. You're very handsome, and it would be a total honor to be inside your butthole. Really, said Tromantis, almost crying. Really, said the frog. The wizard and the frog spent the rest of the evening making sweet love to each other. Then they spent the next morning making dirty, disgusting, hot love to each other. Then they switched back again. Finally, after three solid days of sweet slash dirty lovemaking, they laid back against the moss-covered remains of a dead ogre and took a break. Hey, said Tremantis, suddenly sitting up. I kissed you a bunch. Does that mean you're going to turn back into a prince? No, no, said the frog. You have to be a princess for that to work. That's how homophobic my stupid dad is. Oh, good, said the wizard. I like you just the way you are. Right back at you, friend, said the frog. Right back at you. The end. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I didn't know how that was going to go. I just, I, I want to clarify something that you wrote that because of this today. We made that happen. <laughs> you guys kind of, this is your fault, just so you all know. It's totally, boy, I don't fit in a lot of ways on this one. So <laughs> I really appreciate being here. And you guys like that. The other two stories were so good and like very like erotic and like, like really cool and interesting. So I was like, we'll just see how this goes. And it was nice to look up like every now and then and see you guys laughing or whatever. And I was like, okay, okay, this is going to be fine. More than fine. Jira, thank you for making sure he went last because I wouldn't have wanted to go after that. <laughs> that was so good. So uh, well, brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm a big fan of writing where the author is almost a character. And like, in my mind, the guy writing these stories is always like a junior high school boy and has a very junior high school boy point of view of the world, you know? So everything is like butts and boobs. <laughs> Not that, that I'm against awesome. that as a 40 year old, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and also the reason I thought he should go last, I mean, first of all, it's just, you write like there's apples and oranges <laughs> in terms of these readings. Yeah. Uh, but also like, so I asked David to write something for this and then he came back to me and was like, it's gonna be a story about a wizard up with a frog up its butt. And I'm like, this is, for a feminist <laughs> podcast, yeah. specifically feminist, and we're, he's like, there might be a little bestiality. I'm like, we're a feminist podcast. <laughs> so, well, it's a talking frog who is so, you know, I have played that it had. Think about it. Like, he's like, he's a, a sentient talking frog. And I'm like, so he can consent. Yes, yes, yes. No bestiality involved. Like, it's like. <laughs> Right, so, if, as we run it through our, is this feminist? Is this erotica feminist checklist? Right, right. We're gonna have to, we'll get back to you on that. We'll yeah, I don't know if it's either. Um, 
We're just I mean, I, I appreciate the flip of like looking at the princess and the frog story. And oh. this time, instead of a princess, it's a wizard because the frog is gay and right. was turned into a frog by a homophobe. Like I, I appreciate the rendition. Like I, I get it. I'm here with it. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, that that makes me happy. <laughs> Well, I am very conscious when you get like invited into like a feminist area as a male, first of all, it's a huge compliment to be like, you know, invited into that space to begin with. And then like, it, I think if you want to be super conscious of like, you know, I'm being invited into this space and I don't, I don't know, want to be an asshole or whatever in this, in this area, if that makes so sense. Absolutely. And I feel like just as a general rule, any men watching or listening, a wizard with a frog up his butt is a way to go, like just to create a safe environment around yourself among feminists. Yeah, wizard with a frog up his butt. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's why yeah, that's what all feminists are looking for is a man with a frog in his butt, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's almost a I don't know how we wrap up from there. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. You know, thank you so much. Um AM and David and Raven for coming on, uh, for reading, for sharing. I feel a lot of things <laughs> about everything that I heard. Um, I feel like going and actually plotting out the diagram, like, okay, so if the frog it has the homophobic dad and that makes him, but what if he was like, I am here. I love I loved the part of each of y'all's story. Um, so I'm really thankful that you guys came on to share with us. Thank you so much from from me and Jared and Karen. Thank you. This was this was great. <laughs> this is this is Thank you all so much. Well, thank you guys. This was really great. I had a great time. This was an amazing Halloween party. Like I had so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys. Popping my cherry has never been so wonderful. <laughs> yes. Oh, well done. <laughs> Feminist Erotica is a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women, hosted by Jara Brown, Princess McDowell, and Karen Hawkins. If you have an idea for a future episode or want to share your thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at feministerotica at rebelliousmagazine.com. Follow us on Instagram at Feminist Erotica Podcast, on Facebook at Feminist Erotica, and on Twitter at Feminist Erotic. And make sure you subscribe to us wherever you devour podcasts.